It's the final episode of our 2019 MLB season preview. We're looking at the NL West tonight, so enjoy the final show, sit back, relax, and somebody roll the intro music. Welcome back to Benchwarming Podcast. It's episode 6 of 6. That's right. We're wrapping up the MLB season preview tonight. Going over to the NL West. If you guys don't know what I'm doing, hop back, take a look at the other episodes. You'll catch on pretty quickly. Basically, I'm going to start at the top, work my way down alphabetically. We're going to start with the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are the Diamondbacks. They traded Paul Goldschmidt. They lost AJ Pollock. Those are two big losses. I don't think, I think that the loss of AJ Pollock is more effective than the Dodgers getting him. And I'll get to that in a little bit. Losing both of those really hurts offensively and defensively, but it opens up Jake Lamb, who originally was a third baseman, to go and play first base. And losing those two guys is huge. Losing those two guys is massive, and I don't really understand how they can really do anything. They signed Greg Holland as a free agent. He didn't really do very well last year for the Cardinals. So that's something to look at. Although, I mean, the signing is big. It's also going to be interesting to see what happens with this team as we get closer to the trade deadline. If they're in not a good position in the standings, if they're not winning a whole lot, I wouldn't be surprised to see them try and shop around pitchers like Zach Greinke, Robbie Ray, and just see what they can get for them at this point. I don't see a whole lot of good things for Arizona. We did see the Humidor come out last year for the Diamondbacks and Chase Field, and you know, there wasn't a big change. However, it did not, they did go from the number three offensive park to number 11 park in 2018 when they released that. Basically, we just saw a little bit of a decrease. It wasn't anything major. So those are just a few things to kind of look into this year is really who's going to take those big spots from Paul Goldschmidt and AJ Pollock. Is anyone going to step up? Or are we just going to see uh, kind of a decline from this team that we saw in the playoffs a few years ago? So without actually continuing to talk about them, just because I don't feel like there's a whole lot, we are going to hop over to Colorado, look at the Rockies. They did sign Daniel Murphy over the uh, offseason. So that'll be interesting. He has a he has a 299 career batting average. So that'll be huge. Going to Coors Field will be even better just because of how massive that outfield is I mean there's a lot of gaps and the ball carries so that it's going to be interesting to see how he takes a step forward just because I do feel like this park it obviously is a hitter's park so I think that it's going to help uh, him a little bit so look forward to kind of Daniel Murphy's situation and seeing what he's able to do this season I think he's really able to bring the missing pieces to this roster that they didn't have last year I don't think that they have enough yet I think that they are going to be, again, battling for this top of the division. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them win this division this year. But I still think that they're just a little bit off from actually being true World Series contenders. And a lot of that starts with their pitching. They just, they have some good pitchers in their lineup. Don't let me, like, fool you. They have some good pitchers. Kyle Freeland just got named their opening day starter. He pitched really, really good last year. And then German Marquez, both are also good. We're really trying to see if they can kind of prove everyone wrong that pitching in Colorado is nearly impossible. Kyle Freeland had 17 wins. Marquez had 14 last year. And Marquez seems to be like the better shot to repeat his numbers from last year just due to some underlying stats like his 10.6 K per nine. 
However, if they can have a solid year out of these two guys, like I said, the big step forward from Daniel Murphy being in this park, both of those will be big in taking that next step to being this division winner instead of just being second fiddle to the Dodgers. The other thing is kind of looking at Trevor Story. He took a major step forward in offense last year. He cut his strikeout rate by 8%. He went from 34 to 26%. And I mean, 8% doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when it's a strikeout rate like that, that is big. He also added 52 points to his batting average and had 37 home runs, which was a career high. So Trevor Story on top of just kind of the other pieces that they have in this lineup, they did lose DJ LeMayhew. Not all of the pieces are necessarily aligning perfectly for this Rockies team, yet I do think that over the season we might see that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Trevor Story have a good year, Daniel Murphy really excel even more in this park since it is such a hitter's park, and then these two pitchers really continue to pitch well. I don't necessarily think that Kyle Freeland will repeat his numbers from last year, but I do think that he has a good year and is able to help them. And if you, I mean, if you're able to pitch at a number two for Kyle Freeland and German Marquez continues to pitch like he did, he's more than less likely going to be considered their number one. So Kyle Freeland just really needs to pitch at a number two level to get these guys over the hump. So watch out for the Colorado Rockies possibly sneaking in and winning this division. Now let's head over to Los Angeles, talk about the Dodgers. I mean, I'm not, I'm not super big on the Dodgers, not a big fan of them in general. I just, I had never have been. The trade with the Reds to get rid of Yasiel Puig opened the door for them to go out and sign A.J. Pollock. And like I said, I think that A.J. Pollock's loss from the Diamondbacks aspect is more of an effect than them gaining him. I don't necessarily... He's not a bad player. I think he's a good player. But it is going to be interesting to see if he's able to continue success in this new ballpark and everything. One thing to look at, Corey Seager returns. They really missed him last year after he had elbow and hip surgeries. Only played 26 games last year. He could be day-to-day starting out this year. However, I think that he's going to return to full health, and I think that at some point we will see him back at this top 10 shortstops, maybe top 7, if he really returns in full health. And it's going to be interesting to honestly see what happens with this Dodgers pitching staff. Clayton Kershaw is still hurt. I'm not really sure. I I haven't read anything new that has given me any confidence in his health going forward this year so Walker Bueller may end up becoming the de facto ace of this staff just because if Kershaw gets hurt again or if Kershaw is not able to start the season they need someone and I think that he is probably going to be the one that could surpass Kershaw if not this year in the future when Kershaw finally starts to take a step back it will be Walker Bueller his rookie season he went eight and five with a 262 ERA throughout 24 games However, it's going to be really interesting to see. He did throw a career-high 177 innings during this time. So if he continues to pitch these high numbers, is he going to be able to hold up? Is his arm going to continue to hold up? Or are we going to see what I think is a big issue right now? And when these players make the jump from the minors to the majors, it's just this wear and tear on their arms because they're asked to pitch close to 200 innings a year if they're the ace But it'll be interesting to see what goes on with this staff because outside of Kershaw and Walker Bueller, I mean, they've got Rich Hill, but at some point we're going to start to see Rich Hill's decline. He's starting to get up there in age. And they have some other players that can slot in and depending on if they're feeling good, I guess at this point is what appears because sometimes you'll have players like 
Ryu go out there and pitch really well. And then other times he'll go out and he'll look like he's never even thrown a major league game in his career. So take a look at that. Take a step back and just ask yourself, do I feel comfortable with this staff or what? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see them finish second in the division this year. Let's head over to San Diego next. And the big thing for San Diego, obviously, they signed Manny Machado, 10 years, 300 million. I I don't really know what to expect from them. I don't expect a big step forward this year, but I do see in the future big things coming for them. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how they find playing time for people in the outfield. Hunter Renfro seems pretty secure in his spot because he did hit the team leading 26 home runs last year. So I think it seems pretty, pretty sure that he'll be there. Will Myers moves back to the outfield. You kind of expect those two to at least get a decent amount of playing time. Will Myers did kind of have to step up last year because they didn't get as much out of Eric Cosmer as they were hoping for. But it'll be interesting to see who they play where and how they do it. They also have Kirby Yates. He was 31, but he pitched really well over the last two uh, months of the season last year. It was his first time ever being considered a closer. 12 saves and 13 chances, a 2.14 ERA. He's really the bright spot of this entire Padres pitching staff. They have Joey Lucchesi, who gets a ton of uh, strikeouts and ground balls. But outside of that, really doesn't get a whole lot of results that are positive. I mean, he, he pitches well, and he would be a great two, maybe three starter for a team. But if he's going to be considered your number one starter, you're going to need a little bit more out of him than what they get. And he he, he offers a breakout potential. We'll have to see. I'm really excited to see Fernando Tatis Jr. up in the major leagues. Could end up meaning Ian Kinsler gets squeezed out of jobs. So be looking at him potentially being on the trading block as we get closer to the midseason. But I'm really excited. Fernando Tatis Jr. is a top prospect and he's really exciting to watch. I've watched some plays and I can't, I can't wait to see him at the major leagues to see if his talent is able to come up with him. But that's really all I've got is who's going to be playing in this outfield? What's this pitching staff going to look like? And, you know, are we going to see Manny Machado be worth the amount of time and money that they spent on him? Heading over to San Francisco to close it out. What's going on with Madison Bumgarner? Freak injuries over the past two years have kept him from being a 200-inning workhorse, as we've seen in his earlier career. And we've also seen a big strikeout drop from him. He had big, big ER splits last year. He went 1.63 ERA at home in San Francisco, but then he jumped to a massive 4.97 on the road. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to actually play well or what. They've also got Drew Pomeranz. He's going to be an interesting starter for them, especially considering they lack people behind Johnny Cueto and Mad Bum. I mean, Jeff Samarja never truly panned out in my opinion. And so it'll be interesting. He did have some injuries that really took over his season last year. He had a massive jump in his ERA to 6.0. And... He's starting his season at 30, so look for him to possibly revive it. Not necessarily to the level that they're going to need to really, I feel like, get out of the cellar that they're going to be in. But they, they, they'll they need someone to step up on this pitching staff besides Cueto because until I see it from Madison Bumgarner, I'm not really sure that I like what I've seen recently, and I don't know if he can recapture it. Unfortunately, due to those crazy injuries, it's just kind of what happens. And then... Really, we're seeing a big mess from the Giants on offense. Evan Longoria only hit 16 home runs last year, 
but he was a team leader in home runs. I mean, who really knows? Buster Posey had hip surgery in August, so it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to come back from that. And I mean, there's not really a whole lot of help in their minor system. Obviously, they have people like Corey Crawford, Joe Panic. Those are some solid guys, but you need more than solid, especially when your team leader for home runs only hit 16 last year. It'll be interesting to see how it goes for the Giants team. Like I said, I think that a complete shock this team ends up in the cellar of this division. That's really all I've got for the Giants, so that really is a good transition into talking wins-loss predictions right now. As of right now, we've got the Dodgers set up at 94-68. and 68. Colorado comes in at second at 87 and 75. Arizona, 78 and 84. San Diego finishes at 74 and 88. And then finally, like I said, the lowly Giants come in at 69 and 93. I'm not too opposed to these. I do think that we see a switch up at the top. I think Colorado finishes first and Los Angeles finishes second. You might see San Diego take that step up and finish third just because I think that Arizona really takes a big step back. So basically the way I see it, I think Colorado wins the division at around 92 to 93 wins. The Dodgers scrape in just a couple games behind them right around 90. And then we've got San Diego and Arizona that are going to be really close, probably only one or two game difference. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them both around that 78 win mark that Arizona's predicted to be And then San Francisco's really got to have someone step up. And maybe Mad Bum comes back and has a fantastic year. And we see some resurgence in this offense. But as of right now, until I see Mad Bum take that step up, until I see someone besides Evan Longoria, whether it's Buster Posey, Corey Crawford, whoever it is, take a step up on offense, I expect to see San Francisco right around 70 to 75 wins max. More than less likely, it's probably going to be about 72, 73 wins. That's really all I've got for standings. It was really, really tough for me to pick out an MVP in this division, not because I don't think there are any good players, but I just don't think that this division really has any standout players that can really put themselves above everyone else to be considered an MVP candidate. With that being said, I did have to go with what I think is the most talented player in this division overall, and that's as much as it pains me, Nolan Arnato. I don't think he wins it. I think that he just doesn't quite have everything that he needs to be considered a true MVP candidate. But I do think that he is the most likely to win it in this division. With that being said, that finally wraps up our MLB 2019 season preview, guys. If you've been listening, if you've been tuning in, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed filming this for you guys. I can't wait to see opening day. If you haven't listened to any of the other ones, take a step back, go listen to the others. They're all right around 15 minutes long, so it's really easy to just fit them all into your day. But that's all I've got. So thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Find us on Instagram, BenchwarmingPod. Email us if you have questions, BenchwarmingPod at gmail.com. Share us with your mothers, brothers, sisters, cousins, whoever it is. That's all I've got for you guys tonight. So peace.